0: That's heritageradionetwork.org slash 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: Today's program has been brought to you by greatbrewers.com, a social media marketing platform dedicated to promoting the world's great brewers and the beers they create. For more information, visit greatbrewers.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn, if you like this program, visit heritageradio network.org for thousands more.
2: Hey, 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 welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. We're in April 2014. we got a special guest doing a pre-record here at Roberta's in Bushwick, Brooklyn. I'm Jimmy Carboni from Jimmy's number 43 in the Good Brew Seal.
3: We are back. Yeah, Jimmy Ludwig. It's the Jimmy,
2: Jimmy and Jimmy show. (laughs) It's Jimmy Ludwig in the
3: wingman (laughs) chair from the happy hour, guys. Back from Florida, releasing some episodes from Vermont, soon going to be heading out to Colorado. Lots of good stuff going on, but we're going to talk about Ohio today. Yeah, I so you know, I know you took a trip to Florida, but you said when you were a kid, you used, to, you used to travel through Ohio. Well, I'm from Michigan. You know that. We've talked about that before. I grew up in Michigan. But when uh, I first lived in New York, when I was driving back and forth to get home, I would go hundreds of miles out of my way to get to the Great Lakes Brewing Company, which was kind of doing craft beer in Ohio long before just about anybody else in, in that state, pretty much, and uh, to get you know the Edmund Fitzgerald Porter, which was one of the, still is, I think, one of the best so porters. So growing
2: made. up, I mean, d- did people identify Ohio with good beer? Uh, no. <laughs> yeah, maybe I'll I mean, that question, Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got Josh Bernstein.
3: The you defender. want to buy a simple... Uh, you know, but that's, uh, everything's changed. I mean, you know, what, what people thought even 20, even 10 years ago has completely gone upside mm-hmm. down in terms of what's good out there. You know, Well, Josh Bernstein is on. Welcome to the show. Uh, your
2: yeah, book's good. doing great. Yeah. It's
3: one of our favorite beer
2: books of the year. Oh, Com- thanks,
4: Jimmy. Book's we doing great. Beer baby's doing great. Guide. Beer drinking is going great.
3: It's yeah. one of my favorite books ever, but I don't read... Really. We so. have lots of
4: pictures in there. To Go, I it. like pictures. <laughs> yeah, We made it for you.
2: Okay, thank <laughs> you. But Josh, we, we know you're from Ohio, and uh, in, in the past you brought us um, some beers from Ohio.
4: Yeah, maybe Black Market some beers back. Yeah. Some good stuff. <laughs> but um, So you,
2: the reason we're doing this recording today is that you you, you met Rock Mill Brewing from uh, Lancaster, Ohio. Yeah, totally. How, how did you meet these guys?
4: Well, I grew up in Dayton, Ohio. I went to school in Ohio University and uh which is southeast ohio not too terribly far away from the uh, border west virginia Mm -hmm. and so about two months ago i had a chance to go back to ohio double duty i got to uh, introduce my daughter to my mom and dad and then i was like i may as well check out all the really great breweries popping up and southeast ohio has got some great stuff going on with um jackie o's has really kind of transformed the idea of what great beer is in athens and so about 45 minutes away from jackie o's is lancaster and uh You know, Lancaster was basically known as a place you would drive around and you'd curse the traffic (laughs) to get through, (laughs) to be perfectly blunt on the way to Columbus. But you know, Matt came over here and turned this old horse farm into a really great Belgian-insired brewery. So I was super psyched to go out there. Showed up at 10.30 on a Sunday, and he graciously got me drunker than a man should ever be at 10.30 <laughs> yeah. on a Sunday morning. Uh, you saw God, I think. I, I did see it's God. It's the Lord's Day. <laughs> not, right. for the, not for the Jews, <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Shabbos <laughs> so, <laughs> was
3: yesterday.
2: So let's welcome Matt Barbie, owner Thank brewer of much. Rock Mill Brewing.
3: Lancaster,
5: how are you man i'm doing great i'm doing great it took me a little while to find this place <laughs> where do end up? i'm not very good at driving around in the city
3: <laughs> I, it, I don't think
4: anybody really is a little it's, different from it's the challenging it's so challenging. where did you end up yeah uh 261 monroe street i think so, do you knock on some stranger's door? And then <laughs> yeah. they came out and they're like, we don't want whatever you're selling. Is like, this pretty the, much? Is yep. this where the beer show is? Well, you
2: know, the, fir- it's a fir- the same thing happened to me the first time I came out to the Heritage Network. I plugged in a Google Map and 261 More took me the other way. So, uh, this is 261 More Street, Roberta's. But hey, man, so we, we uh, were tasting your beers and, and you were inspired by, by Belgium. Tell us what made you interested in making beer and yeah, what a little bit absolutely. of your background.
5: Uh, growing up I was always much more of a wine guy, you could say. My grandpa was a winemaker. Uh I dabbled in viticulture and ology and had the opportunity to to uh train at the Smolier for a while up in Chicago. Uh Robert Yovic, who's still a good friend of mine. And uh honestly growing up I had a bit of a haughty attitude towards beer. I wasn't <laughs> interested in it in its context with food. I certainly would drink and enjoy beer, but um, didn't think of it as uh, as a dynamic uh, food pairing. So that all changed when I had my first Saison, which was from to DuPont.
3: So we're saying that beer went from being, you went from being hottie to beer being a hottie. <laughs> oh, Jimmy. <laughs> how was that? Oh, Jimmy. Jimmy how was it. that? <laughs> That's Not terrible. I'll be here all week. I'll <laughs> uh, but, but, uh, be here. all
5: week. I'll be here all week. I'll be here all week. I'll be here all week. be i i be uh that it could be uh you know a real uh depthful concentrated flavor to be paired with different foods and and when i went at the realization you know as this whole new world that kind of opened up before me and and i found myself enjoying beer and food just as often as wine and food it was a very refreshing change of pace i still you know really enjoy wine and a passion about that but i love kind of having access to both worlds now
4: so i guess yeah so what brought you back to ohio then and where did the uh Where'd that moment go that you were like, you know, I love beer, but, you know, how are you going to make that a career?
5: Well, I was uh, visiting my mom. I was living in Los Angeles at the time, and I had been working at two different talent management companies, and I'd gone off on my own to start my own production company, which was a terrible idea, and uh, that wasn't going anywhere. So after uh, my first two movies uh, had kind of not gotten off the ground and weren't really happening, I decided it would be a good time to go home and visit my family, you know, lick my wounds a little bit and figure out what the hell I was going to do next. And uh, my mom had bought this really beautiful horse farm. Um, It used to be a horse farm. It isn't anymore. And I found myself thinking, like, man, what would I do if I were to move back to Ohio? You know, and uh, my, my thinking was I'd better be really passionate about what I'm doing vocationally because I don't really know many people back here. I don't know what's going on. And, uh, the first thought that popped in my head was, well, I've always wanted to do a winery like grandpa, but I didn't want to grow grapes on this farm. So my second thought was, well, saison that's in the farmhouse ale category. Maybe we could brew a farmhouse ale here. Huh. So I started studying the old world method of brewing Cezanne and, uh, we had the water analyzed and we got the minerality breakdown back from the lab. turns out, uh, the composition of minerals is almost identical to that of Wallonia, Belgium where saison originated. Wow. And I was like, well, that's pretty awesome. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, we started looking at it even closer, and it turns out we're also... Well, let's su-
2: stop for one second. So, Wallonia in Belgium. Mm-hmm. We all know about Saison de Pont, but ha- have you been there? Did you visit?
5: You know, for, uh, for a short time in undergrad, I lived in Luxembourg, which is right next door. So, I traipsed back and forth through Wallonia, but that was before I'd kind of honed in on Saison. So, again, I was drinking beer, but I wasn't necessarily studying it. So, I have been there, but not since I've gotten into brewing, so... You could say that I'm due to to head back over there <laughs> when did you make your start when did you
3: when did you officially
5: get off the ground with this particular endeavor our uh, our brewery opened september eighteenth two thousand and ten Um, We did an event, and like 400 people showed up. I realized Mm -hmm. the power of free beer (laughs) on that day. (laughs) That's that's why I'm here. That's why we're all here today. Don't get paid to be here. What
2: free free beer are you giving us right now? It's Uh, pretty good.
5: It's awesome. We're starting off with my wit beer. Uh, It's the lightest beer that I brew, 40% wheat malt, coriander, and orange peel in the aroma edition. And then we dry hop with a really citrusy hop from New Zealand, their Cascade. So uh, I want it to be crisp, refreshing, citrusy. Nice starting point to a uh, to a beer tasting.
2: And did you did you bring cheeses to pair with it?
5: I did. I brought some cheese. Um, so did I, but it's not. Well, never mind. <laughs> <laughs>
2: is this cheese from Ohio or is it cheese? You know, you got I, in the I, York? Was,
5: I was driving through Brooklyn today, and of course, I was lost. And I uh, saw this little cheese shop. And I was like, oh, maybe I can get some, you know, some mm-hmm. some food to bounce. You know, I really like to share the beer in context of food with people who haven't had it before. So I thought it'd be fun to to bring some with me and I popped into a Bedford cheese shop and well, this place good, is amazing. Good call. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I, and I lucked out. You stumbled out. On, on a great shop. I, I did. I just ambled in there and uh the, the, these guys are just amazing. Did you did you drive
2: here from Ohio?
5: I did. Did you? Let's talk it's about not road that trips. Jimmy, it's like <laughs> that far. It's like Well, let me tell you about road trips, gentlemen, yeah. calm down. I've been
2: fighting Jimmy, against what, what did for you, so many years. What did you have for breakfast, Jimmy? What did I have for breakfast? Today. Yeah.
3: Uh, a cup of coffee and a handful of chocolate almonds. So you better have some cheese. Right. Uh, okay. Let's talk about road trips. So you, you, it took you a long <laughs> time to get out of here.
2: We're out here in Bushwick, Brooklyn. It's not that far. It's not that hard to get to. Well last week I, I, I worked on the New York City Hot Sauce Expo, and one of our favorite hot sauce makers, Hellfire from Wisconsin, mm-hmm. he also drove here and he spent ten hours finding the the location next to Penn Station. In Manhattan, which many people know how to get to, he ended up driving downtown all the way through Staten Island to New Jersey. Then he came (laughs) back up the West Side Highway and ended up in Connecticut. (laughs) So wow, I don't know what it is about you guys—road trips to Manhattan.
3: Well, nobody likes to stop. You know what it is in the Midwest when we drive, we like to keep going. We don't like to stop it. You know, you stop, you roll through stop signs because no one else is at the intersection, and the stoplight. You know, there's only a couple of them in a town. So if there's
4: more than three or four. You just want to keep going, so you just keep driving. And I think the thing too with New York, I mean, it's not that big, and so if you uh, make a mistake, you have to keep going and swing back around, and so it's just do not pass go, do not pass go, do not collect. So there bucks. is
2: something. It's a Midwestern thing, and that that takes us <laughs> back to Jimmy Ludwig <laughs> driving through Ohio to get to uh,
3: you get to Great Lakes Brewing Company in Cleveland. Yeah,
2: yeah. Um, so John, like, let's just take a step back. So so there's a heyday of craft brewing, but. Uh, what were some of the, the breweries in Ohio that, that you would have mentioned You know, a few years ago? You said these are worthy of
4: A few of years? Trying. I, I yeah. mean, how, how long are we going know, back? Three I mean, years ago, which seems like a ago. I mean, problem. the brew so, kettle, Hoppin' Frog. Weasel Boy, doing good stuff in Zanesville. But they're really... I mean, like, Ohio really has been... It's been hitting hyperdrive the last year or two with, like, Ryan Geist in Cincinnati. I mean, Ohio really was... Had a rich, deep drink tradition. Cincinnati, I mean, with all the German immigrants there, it was just such a rich place that, you know, we all it all kind of went away. And so it's really exciting to me as a guy that grew up in Ohio and having to... uh, And having to defend Ohio with all my heart so often, so often. So many jokes, so many bad jokes. And everyone's always like, hey, go back to Ohio where oh, you belong. On. And I'm like, how did you know? But it's just the punchline. It, it is a
3: sport in the East Coast to slam on the Midwest. It just is. It's,
4: it's, a, it's like it should be a, a regional sport. Oh, look, cheese. More cheese. It's the
3: opposite. Unless you're from
2: the Midwest, you don't it. even talk about it.
4: So. <laughs> but anyway, I think, I think what the great thing what Matt's doing is just said. you know, he didn't just jump into this brewery that it was a couple years worth of – um. You know, you're like I don't know how to make this happen, so I'm going to make it happen. So you want to talk a little bit about your journey and really how you, uh, what you decided to take yourself from being, you know, a passionate aficionado to being someone that could understand how to actually create these beers yeah, using you, this great water profile. How did yeah, you? Yeah, absolutely. Yourself?
5: Yeah. Well, the one thing I had going for me was a lot of confidence in my palate when I when I started studying this seriously. Um, you know, I didn't know anything about the brewing sciences, and that took me a couple years. But uh, it was that part of the. You know, learning the science and trial and error and really learning how to you know, learning the the complexities of beer design that I really connected to brewing in a way that I didn't necessarily anticipate. I mean I fell in love with it. It yeah. was a lot of fun. So
3: And you said initially you had four hundred people show up for free beer, but what was the what was the initial reception to your to your product like in your community? I mean, was it an easy sell? Was it a hard sell? Did people just come on board right away? I mean, what was that like?
5: We what we're making is pretty specific, I would say. You know, we're doing Belgian style ales. Uh, there, I build them to be food beers. So uh, you could say that it was culturally unique for our, our region. So there was a lot of education. Um, a lot of people maybe hadn't had a bottle conditioned beer before, yeah. or a Belgian beer, or thought mm-hmm. about beer and food pairings. So while there was a lot of excitement, there was all you know. It wasn't your kind of quintessential american brewery
4: yeah yeah i'd yeah. say like one thing to point out all the beers are you know yeah. mostly 750 is corked and caged like champagne style presentation
5: yep so uh it was you know there was a there was a a small segment of people who were just really enthusiastic right off the bat uh and then and then and then there's a you know more people who are who were curious and would come in and and uh, so there was a big educational component to what we we're doing, and I love that. And what's your uh, what's your gateway
3: beer for for like the lo- for the local for the people around you when they come in and they're like, I don't know anything about this kind of beer. I don't know Belgian beer. What, what are you going to pour for me?
5: Yeah, well, I, uh, I I guide people to the whip beer to get started. The one we started off oh, with. It's lovely. It's really wonderful beer. Thank you. Thank you very much. And it's the it's the lightest beer that I brew. So you know, moving forward, we're going to get into some more intense you know flavor profiles and we're going to be able to hang with richer, mm. Fattier dynamic food pairings.
4: <laughs> so, you're mentioning, so so you're starting off as doing a, you know a big thing for you is your passion for food pairing and so so you're trying to find the right venue for the bottles and so was restaurants really an initial part of your plan of attack as the right place to put and sell the beer?
5: Absolutely. I think anytime that we that I'm you know introducing the product to a to a new area or region it's through the chefs. Mm-hmm. So uh, You know, I I meet with them. They uh, they get excited and kind of take their instincts and apply that to the beer in terms of beer dinners and designing entrees for the different flavors and and uh, and that's kind of how we that's our starting point, really.
2: So, Matt, um, you brought some cheeses. I know this one's like it's a Mimolette, or it's like a that kind of aged hard dark Dutch cheese. Yeah, yeah, that's that's from the
5: Netherlands. It's uh, it's a three year aged Gouda. Gouda and uh it was just uh yeah i thought that'd be something kind of versatile that we could bounce a couple different beers off of mm-hmm. the saison the saison that we're trying next uh you'll notice it's slightly darker in color we use just a smidge of toasted malt and parts that copperish hue rounds out the malt some character but uh, you're going to get a lot of, it's going to be more rustic and earthy in contrast to the wood beer you're going to get some interesting spice phenolics i get a lot of nutmeg uh cardamom Um, This beer was actually featured at your James Beard Kitchen by Chef Jonathan Sawyer last year, which was really exciting for us, a big honor. Uh, Jonathan Sawyer owns Greenhouse Tavern out of Cleveland. Mm -hmm. So uh, a phenomenal, you know, Ohio chef who wanted to, uh, you know, bring one of our brews out here. So that was really exciting for us. Is it? I mean, I know the journey is still pretty new. You're, you know, maybe
3: four years since the beginning from the opening of your doors, but maybe six years on or seven or eight years in the, the whole journey. Mm-hmm. Is it is it everything you've I mean, have you been surprised? Have you been shocked? Are you like, oh, you know, how how is it for you right now with the rush of,
5: of attention that's coming your way and everything else? How's it going? You know, it's uh, it's interesting. I I rarely take a step back and and think like, man, this mm-hmm. is pretty surreal. <laughs> uh, how everything is happening so fast. Uh, more often than not, I'm just kind of focused on you know the production, how we can do it better, and how we can make more beer. We started off extremely small, brewing one barrel of beer at a time, so a very labor intensive uh, endeavor. And so most of my time, not, you know, brewing or bottling was sleeping, but, uh, <laughs> but I've got, I've got a couple of fantastic production guys now, uh, Chris and Phil who, you know, they're, they're brewing the beer while I'm out here rolling out the brands and sharing the beer with people. So I'm spending more and more time away from the brewery and, uh, and, you know, knowing that we have just fantastic guys in place now really gives me a lot of confidence that we are ready to grow and. And share with other people while we can still maintain our production.
2: Wow. All right. Well, it's, it's, it, this is a good start to the show. Thanks for bringing in the beers. We, we were starting to taste some cheeses, and we're going to take a short break. We'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Woo! Yes. <laughs>
1: You like good beer. Whether you're a craft beer pro or just had your first sip of an IPA, GreatBrewers.com is your number one beer resource on the internet. GreatBrewers.com bridges the gap between the world's great brewers and the consumers who enjoy their products. With so much information and misinformation out there, GreatBrewers.com focuses on education and leaves no stone unturned. Take the Great Beer Test on their website and browse through an extensive product catalog. Download their mobile beer cloud app, which includes a GPS beer finder, a beer sommelier, and descriptions for over 5,000 different brews. What are you waiting for? Back up that passion for craft beer with some solid information and education. Visit greatbrewers.com today.
6: Hey, hey, hey!
2: welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network, right here at Roberta's in Bushwick in Brooklyn. If you haven't been out here, it's pretty easy to get to. You get on the L train, take the, uh, the Morgan stop. But Morgan if, stop. If you're driving, you, you kind of got to know
3: where you're going. <laughs> and Hey, uh, hey Jimmy, I, I'm having the double and some dark beer right now, and I'm in ecstasy. So we got some what? Mashbo's chocolate. And what's the beer? Matt? I don't have your pants on. <laughs> okay, <laughs> this is a double. We're doing. I thought this is the no pants show. <laughs> well, Did okay. you get the? I didn't. Didn't you get the memo,
2: gentlemen? Calm down, please. Matt from uh, Matt Barbie from Rock Mill. We got Josh Bernstein and Jimmy Ludwig. It's mm-hmm. causing havoc on the show. We didn't have breakfast today, so um, so most important meal. Tell us about that. this. Though. One thing I like about your beer. So so there's is like a nice. It's not too hoppy. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us like the the strengths because this is a different style of beer. It seems very food friendly.
5: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'll speak to the to my kind of hopping technique real quickly. Uh, I, I use predominantly noble hop varietals, so they're all lower on the alpha acid scale. And I actually use a lot of them. So in beer, the tannins are going to be coming from the hops. Hmm. So I'm building in a lot of structure and backbone without uh, imparting too many IBUs where they're going to kind of get ahead of everything else and, and, and maybe knock off the balance of flavors. So the bitterness levels are going to remain structural, but uh, you still get a lot of that structure, like I said, and, and that uh, gives the beers more backbone. So with our double, there's a lot of uh, you know dark fruit flavor components up front. I get a lot of fig, uh, that maraschino cherry from Luxardo, Italy, and then I use the Spall Select Hop from Germany, again, a real low alpha acid hop. If you smell it directly, you get a lot of like wet forest mushroom notes, so behind that dark fruit's going to come some some earth. And I love pairing this with dark chocolate.
2: Why, why, did, you, why did you pick this for dark chocolate? Because I did a pairing last night and we had it with duck. Because uh, similar to double.
5: A lot of field research. A lot of field research. <laughs> you may
3: have to do this many, many times. <laughs> he also did not want to bring a duck in tonight. To <laughs> <laughs> hey, did somebody step on a duck? Oh, yeah.
5: thank you. I, uh, one day I, I had some dark chocolate. And uh, I was kind of geeking out on that pink Himalayan sea salt at the time. And I just dusted the chocolate with the sea salt and tried it with the double and that sounds good. Yeah,
3: does. I have a moment of silence for that. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, that's terrific. I mean, the it, it, food pairing is so fun, especially with beer. I mean, the ability of beer to cleanse the palate and to uh, you know um, prepare you for whatever your next bite is, and uh, whether you're doing a complimentary tasting or something
5: that's more oppositional. I think beer has just got incredible flexibility in terms of pairing with food. Absolutely, and the and the hops and in part the bitterness and a lot of the flavors. They have this scrubbing effect on your palate. Yeah. So this this next pairing we're going to do, we're going to take my triple and we're going to pair it with blue cheese.
2: So, so uh,
3: it, I, I'm I'm not going to hate that. I'm just going to tell you that, right, <laughs>
2: Josh? Now. In your in the book, Complete Beer God, do you cover Complete a, Beer Course, Jimmy? <laughs> of course. <laughs> I've not drank that much already. <laughs> uh,
4: it's too many words. I'm supposed to promote a, me? You, you don't need, make me.
2: You need to. Carry Josh, tell us the name cards. of your book again. Josh
4: Bernstein. <laughs> it's a complete beer course, Jimmy. <laughs> so, <laughs> you.
2: do do you cover any beer and food uh, pairing primers in your book?
4: Yeah, you know, usually in the book, I try to keep it pretty. You know, for people just kind of jumping into this world, there's basically three. Uh, Key techniques they can learn and understand cut, compare, contrast. So, uh, you know, compare would be like with like, you're having, you know, a stout with chocolate. Cut would be having like a a rich salt, like a hamburger or french fries with a pilsner or something to, uh, you know, something that's going to cut away, it's going to like leave, take the fat away from your mouth. Then there's also contrast, which is sort of the more difficult pairing to do where it would be maybe go back like a stout with a uh, you know an oyster something to like fill in the blanks yep. to fill in each other's deficiencies. So, so where so, would
2: this we're tasting uh, Rock Mill Double and with the dark chocolate, how would you rate
4: that? I mean that, that's compare. I that's mean those definitely are definitely compare. Yeah, yeah, it's finding like I mean the, those caramel notes within the uh, beer and they're kind of finding the sort of sweetness undercurrent riding through. Yep. And there's a lot of like dark fruit flavors too that really pair well with the chocolate.
3: But I love the fact that with beer you can you can be brave when it comes to food pairing, whether you're comparing or whether you're uh, whether mm-hmm. you're doing something that's completely oppositional. You can you can have some bravery about it. You know, I feel like with with wine maybe because there's such a you know the set of rules that have been ingrained in people's brains. You don't you don't have as much adventure. Pe- uh, many people don't. Feel like mm. being as adventurous.
4: I think wine wine requires a bit more of a finer pairing. The pairings have to be more spot on. Where beer tends to have a bit more, it's, you know, it's a bit more flexibility. Yeah. That the car- like the inherent the carbonation, just the flavors, they're they're applicable to a lot. Like I always tell folks, like brown ale. If you're in doubt, go for a brown ale. Mm.
2: Matt, uh, what what's your next pairing? Because we're going in that direction. And also let me know
4: if I go to uh,
2: to to Lancaster, Ohio. Is there a tasting room at your? Excuse brewery? me,
3: Jimmy. I think it's Lancaster. It Lancaster. is Lancaster. Yeah. thank you. I think Lancaster. Lancaster. It's people Lancaster. get fired up about that. Don't <laughs> yeah. I know they they probably get really upset because I know they do in Pennsylvania as well. They yeah, they get clip really that
5: upset Lan- about that. Lancaster. 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 Yep. Yep. Yeah, we had a tasting room. Um, a law passed in Ohio just two years ago, so for the first time, a brewery or distiller was able to have a tasting room. Before that, just a winery was able to. So
3: that's been what? great.
4: That's unbelievable. And wow. your tasting room is pretty unique. I mean, it's not simply just walking into a. I call them like concrete boxes and stand (laughs) like standing on concrete and smiling and drinking beer. But you know, it's a home. You're walking into a a home and you're hanging out there on like couches, fires are roaring, and you know the yards out back.
5: Yeah, it's uh, it's the original horse barn of the property that's built back in the 1870s. Has a lot of character, not unlike this room, hand hewn beams, (laughs) rustic feeling. Uh, yeah, mom's a pyromaniac she's always got some fire fireplaces going <laughs> roaring when it's cold outside uh, but it's a very intimate setting and uh you know we, we encourage people to bring picnics down to pair with the pair with the beers and we've published a lot of recommended pairings and people have a blast with it just bringing a picnic down getting outside of the city for an afternoon it's a lot mm-hmm. of fun Yeah,
3: that's, I mean and that's part of the experience right that's part of the craft experience drinking local mm-hmm. being out on the grass you know you can talk to the guy who just made mm-hmm. the beer you know, it's it's really great. It's funny. I don't know if you guys have seen this. There's a there's a a thing that's going around on the on the interwebs right now, and it's about somebody put up a thing. You know, here's eight beers you should not drink, and it's because of they may have GMO yeah. you know, ingredients and all that kind of stuff, and blah. Which I think is kind of silly, but. My point to that is that what happens in ohio no my, well my no, point no. my
2: point to that
0: is
3: that when you go when you drink local, <laughs> you can talk to the guy who made your beer you know and you can watch him
5: make your beer, and yeah you, can, you have that relationship, yeah, that you can talk about you know same with. You know, when a brewer is working with uh, the farmers growing his grain, it might not be certified organic, but you have that you have that dialogue. You know how they're treating their fields; you're comfortable with it. It's about people, mm-hmm. yeah. exactly. The you know,
2: going back to the Civil War when our nation's identity was forged—that <laughs> um, was a leap to me. Ohio, well, That's a hell of a segue. <laughs> <laughs> nice. nice. <laughs> not if you're talking about so Ohio ding, 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 was ding, ding. one of those key states. <laughs> it, 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 it was. Uh, so I, I want to talk a little more about Ohio because, uh, oh you know, man. we have people listening to us from around the country. And, and, and what does Ohio Artists? mean to you? Like, let's like, think a little bit about the history about Ohio. You know, what, you know we knew they had an industrial phase, but going back to the Civil War, it was an important state. So who wants
4: to weigh in on that?
3: Oh, well, my. I was raised in Michigan, so you probably shouldn't ask me to weigh in on, on Ohio.
4: I, mean, I think what Ohio did for me as a human being was it made me a good person. And, you know, like, I've been in New York for 14 years now, but I still have that sort of, like, it it taught me how to be respectful, it taught me good manners, and, you know, it taught me the value of hard work. And I think those are very key values in Ohio. And, you know, with the, um, you know, Dayton, where I grew up in particular, has been hit by hard times. You know, it wasn't a huge auto manufacturing city. And then, you know, things changed in America, so it kind of fell off by the wayside. And so Dayton, you know, it's got this gorgeous, beautiful downtown, like, Perfect Bones, the type of downtown you couldn't build just because it costs too much to build that sort of building anymore. But uh, you right. know, it's making a comeback now. And there's uh, the folks from New Holland Brewing just came oh. in there. That's right. And they opened up Warped Wing, uh, Toxic Brew in the Oregon District. So stuff like that is really the idea that it, it goes back to beer right now. I think for me, that beer is really helping bring back pride to towns and pride to cities. And, and so,
3: then Jimmy, for- I'm I'm going to use the F word on the radio, and that's family because, and I don't want to get it mixed up with any like family values, but there's the family you're born with and the family you choose. And in the Midwest, people have really tight families. And they could be groups of friends. They could be mm-hmm. people they grew up with. But, you know, can you speak to the people that you work with in your brewery? I'm sure they're like family to you, you know?
5: Absolutely. Um, literally and figuratively. My mom's very much inv- involved with the production. You know, my brother-in-law was our first production guy. You know, the only guy at Bloom Carroll High School I'd let date my sister. <laughs> 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 and uh, it's... it The... The organization feels exactly like a family feels. People are, we're really close. We we, it's uh, very enjoyable our work day. It's very sustainable. You know, it's a we we strive for balance and everything that we do. And people have a blast. They, you know, you go into the brewery and uh, you're laughing all the time, which I know is great for the yeast and primary <laughs> fermentation. And uh, you know, watching, you know, when we're doing a bottling event, how everybody works together and handles this, you know uber finicky bottling line. It's just, it's something to behold. It's, it's pretty cool. That's great, man. That's great.
4: So to go back a little bit, you were talking when people are coming down from the city. So for people that may not know, like what city are you talking, is it Columbus you're talking about folks coming down from? Yeah.
5: Thank you. We're we're just Southeast of Columbus, Ohio. Mm -hmm. And, uh, Seabus? They've been uh,
4: a... <laughs> Seabus yeah. is real. It sounds like a, it's like a t- People teenager. People call I guess. C-bus. That's a Seabus. Yeah, yeah. I think I it's know, more so written That
2: up, sounds uh, like
3: like a transit thing, Seabus. Wait, Matt,
2: how about the... Let's like have <laughs> the like next beer. <laughs> You're like, shut
4: <laughs> up. Give yeah. Jimmy more blue beer. Cheese and <laughs> Jimmy needs more we're gonna beer. We're going to do the blue
5: cheese and the triple
0: right now. And oh,
5: there's it's a, amazing. There's a, an ice Who's cream maker. got the Let's pass it Yeah, I think the triple's are there. There's an ice cream maker out of Columbus, Jenny, Jenny's Splendid Ice Creams, who now uh, is selling her ice cream here in New York. And she actually made a, a a beer or an ice cream flavor with this beer. I've met her. Have you?
4: I met her at an event, yeah. Yeah, Jenny was great. She did a, uh, for my book release party at Brooklyn Brewery, they paired Jenny's ice cream with um, Brooklyn Brewery's black that's, chocolate that's, I think that's where I met her, Josh. Uh, she wasn't You're, there, but you met probably someone that you met her ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> You're confusing the ice cream with yeah. a person. No, wait a minute. Can we go back? Let's just <laughs> talk about the Civil
3: War for a minute. <laughs> Can we just talk about? The, it was a very important time in our country.
4: Yeah, and Ohio is past too. Well,
2: <laughs> was it? Was it? So what I'm learning is that despite what we 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 think of all these cities, Dayton and all these industrial cities, the but well. as much of Ohio agricultural, or it must Absolutely. have been back then, right?
5: Oh yeah,
4: yeah, I mean, it is. But you're talking like it's a state of 10 million people, and it's not just. It's not tiny. I mean, there's a lot of folks that live there. And, I mean, there's more innovation that came out of Dayton than most other cities, like flight, cash registers, two key things in your pretty much daily life. Mm. And so came out of Dayton, Ohio. And it's a lot, there's a lot of pride about what the past was. And people are trying to reclaim it. It was always a state of innovation, a state of hard work, and a state of just, like, you know, promise. You could go there, work hard enough, think hard enough, dream hard enough, and you could make it happen. So I think we're seeing it happen again.
2: So, Matt, why did you pick uh, the blue cheese to go with the triple?
5: It doesn't get much richer or fattier than than a blue cheese, and uh, you know I was talking about the hops and the scrubbing effect it has on the palate. So uh, when you you take in the triple and then you know eat some of that cheese, you know the that scrubbing effect from the hops allows your palate to gain separation from the fat. So you know it extracts and features you know uh, flavor notes that you weren't able to perceive before in a really beautiful way. So I love uh, you know it's been said that. Wine and cheese is like arm wrestling versus beer and cheese, which is like holding hands. And I think that's really exemplified in the triple.
3: You sound like you're a southern boy. Wow. (laughs) Can I steal that? Yeah, I, I did. That's really good.
2: <laughs> Jimmy's going to go back, and every good line he's going to use in his, his, his show happier. That, that
3: is the that is the, that is show business. So uh, what? This, this is like the I tri- think deal.
2: What works?
4: That's are we the, tri-
3: the trial grounds for your your good lines? No, I bring all, all my guys. good stuff here, man. All my good stuff gets used up here.
4: I think the other line to seal is if it grows with it, it goes with it. Is the other sort of like. The uh, old, old tired Maxim for for uh, pairing on there.
2: So I, I want to ask you what I was going to ask you, and I, I know the answer, but I'm still going to ask you. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want to know? Just tell now, us. There, there's, a great, there's a great video on your site, and uh, the the one thing I noticed is you had that nice white dog. Yeah. I'm sorry,
5: man. Uh, I appreciate that. that. That was Scooby, and we lost Scooby about a month ago, tragically, with the car accident. Oh, no. Not far from the farm, and... Uh, I'm glad you brought it up because I brought a very special beer for us to share together in his honor. I did a one off. Um, the double that we just paired with the dark chocolate, I aged that in OIO Whiskey Barrels, uh, a fantastic micro in Columbus called Middle West Spirits. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to do our first music festival on the farm May 10th. And we're going to, you know, that's going to be your only opportunity to try this beer wow. that I created in Scooby's honor outside of. This afternoon what is right this beer right now is this beer how is it named ah uh, that's a good question we're we're working on the design right now and it's basically gonna um we have the photograph picked out and it's scooby he was this white lab pyrenees mix um really just strong amazing dog he's in the tasting room all the time so anybody who's been to the tasting room you know like Knows Scooby's him. just a part of the experience <laughs> he was a very scooby. lovable dog yeah cheers he's quite scooby. a cheese monger yeah here's to so scooby. yeah cheers to scooby all right well, wow. He's
3: dogs and beer. That's a good thing. He's chasing, absolutely. chasing Buffalo and squirrels in the happy hunting grounds. But it sounds a like Scooby
2: and without disrespect to Scooby, it sounds like in, in a, the part of Ohio you're in, there's this great little thing. There's some chefs, there's distilleries. It sounds like it's a pretty cool community.
5: Yeah, uh, absolutely. There's a, you know, I mentioned when I came back to Ohio over five years ago, I wasn't quite sure what I was getting myself into. And, uh, i've just had an absolute blast being reacclimated with Mm -hmm. what's going on in that market on the food scene craft spirits craft beer um there's all kinds of exciting stuff going on and uh it's been so fun to see you know how i was gone for about 10 years and to see how far columbus had come in that amount of time was uh, very exciting you're making a change for the better changing people's palates changing their changing their lives basically opening them up
3: to things yeah <laughs>
5: if you think about it it's such an intimate experience when you've designed something you created it and then you know you're sharing with people they're literally ingesting it it's such a i uh i take you know i, take, I don't take it lightly and it's an honor to be able to mm-hmm. have people you know share what i've made with other people it's something really special about that whole exchange yep.
4: yeah, yeah i think the thing is i mean farm to table farm grown ingredients whatever that's really become such a big notion but You know, Ohio does have so many farms out there that it really, truly makes sense that all these really great artisans are blooming up right there. You know, great chefs are partnering with great farms, you know, great brewers. I mean, it's really such a, you know, it's sort of like the melding of the agricultural and the artisan right now going on in Ohio, which, you know, we can hopefully change everyone's perception at the end of the show. Cheers to to Ohio. And the last thing is, was
2: was Ulysses S. Grant from Ohio? Oh, my God. (laughs) He was, wasn't he? All right. Well, hey, let's make a quick (laughs) toast. We're going to take a short break. We'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. That's your bumper? Hey, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. We're here with uh, Matt Barbie from Rock Mill Brewing in Lancaster, Ohio. (laughs) we got Josh Bernstein, our best author of Beer in America, and uh, Jimmy Ludwig. And we got a new guest just walked in, Mark Muka from... Is it Muka? From uh, Single Cut Beersmiths in uh, Queens. So um, we're talking to Matt Barbie. We're tasting through his beers. Uh, uh, He's going to pour the Scooby for us, which is a special... uh, Age. Should we just
3: call it the Scooby, Scooby. for, for right you got to call it the Scooby.
2: let's call What I want to ask is he's making great Belgian-style beers. He was inspired by Saison DuPont. The mm. water in his town in Ohio matches the water in Wallonia, Belgium, oh where DuPont Brewery is. That's the background. This is We've been talking for a couple of segments on, on this show tonight here at the HeritageRearNetwork. dot .org. Um, so Matt, tell us about your, 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 your yeast, because I know there's some breweries have like six point, ohm again. they have, they have set house yeasts that are mm-hmm. like proprietary and give them their own flavor. Other people are more, more, you know, doing different things. So how did you come about the yeast that you're using for your beers? Well, in the,
5: in the beer development, the most quoted guy of all in all of my research was a gentleman by the name of Chris White. And he'd started a company called White Labs in San Diego. And uh, I was calling their lab incessantly uh, with questions and, and really, really fascinated by the whole process. And finally, a couple of their lab techs was like, you know what, you should probably just give Chris a call. And I was like, you're not talking about Chris White, are you? He's, he was like the you know, biggest rock star in beer as far as I was concerned. And they're like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I got to talk with Chris. I went over my whole plan. And at the end of the you know, he took an hour with me at the end of it's like you know what I, th- I think it sounds great. Just do what you're gonna do. You got it, you know. Um, and anyways, uh, I really try to design these beers to to feature the yeast flavor components. So uh, you know we allow free rise to occur in primary fermentation. So that yeast is going to create a, a pretty effective insulating coat on the inner wall of stainless steel as it's you know attenuating in primary. So we allow that temperature to continue to increase. That's going to speed up the rate of the yeast life cycle and the rate of the life cycle is going to dictate what kind of fruit esters spice phenolics chemical compounds emitted into solution uh from the yeast strain so we get this you know because i allow that free rise to occur i think we get this real interesting smattering Hmm. of flavor components from the yeast so um thank god uh, for yeast man thank god for that incredible single cell what a yeah what a gift to humanity absolutely yeah (laughs) But, uh, you know, we play we play Beethoven, Bach, whatever they're in the mood for, anything to ensure that they have a healthy life cycle at the brewery. Now, at
2: what point did, did you – okay, so when you're designing these beers, did, did you design them in, like, homebrew kits? Were you doing that scale of production, or you just went into the brewery and
5: played around? Or you at, had recipes? At, the, at that time, know? I was brewing 20-gallon batches and dividing it into four or five-gallon carboys and isolating a variable four ways. And my favorite part of the development was – Pitting four different yeast strains up against, you know, in the Mm -hmm. same beer. What am I going to get with this recipe? Right.
3: Four different critters working on it. And I
5: would do blind tasting panels and I'd do them with my mom and my grandma. You know, they both spent a lot of time around grandpa's winery. And uh, and, and I'd do, you know, four different versions of the same beer. I'd take a couple commercial versions and we'd do a blind tasting and take notes and talk about it. Do you know who you'd have a blast with?
3: Uh, you'd have a blast with uh, the, the gentleman who's the head. He's the master distiller at Four Roses because they do a lot of stuff with with competing yeast strains. Okay, and yeah. then put them all together.
5: Same idea. Yeah, wow. and uh, and it's it's absolutely amazing how impactful it is. You have the same beer, two different yeast strains. You know, night and day differences, and and the saison strain. I, I work with three different strains from White Labs, uh, and one of them is the the five six five. Saison uh, strain and uh, it was the finickest strain I, uh, I kept thinking about like a cat how you know you call a cat's name you call a cat's name it just sits there and bl- you know blinks at you <laughs> and then it comes over to you when it's good and ready right. and that's how this yeast strain was it would stall for no reason pick back up stall again I'd be like forget this I'm going to get every other yeast strain out there every other Saison strain I can and I did but on the blind taste test it was that strain every time that was unanimous, you know. Wow. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to have to be patient, but this is, this is what I want. I think you just have work. to
3: ignore it. You know, pay attention to other yeast strains, and it'll come over and be like, hey, play, a little hard, to get. Yeah. T- play hard to get. So I, I got the game down
5: now.
2: So. <laughs> 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 we've, ta- we've talked to a lot of brewers. Who, they definitely think that you've got to give beer time, you know, and things like Saison, definitely. But like, there, there's a nice little funkiness to this. Is, is that mm-hmm. really from yeast? Is that what, what makes it funky?
5: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I am lost the whole in the world.
3: I'm completely lost in the Scooby beer right now. Mm. This barrel-aged I didn't you know, It turned out really good, double. It? It's, it's fantastic. Ah. I mean it? Has, it's fantastic. Matt, got... I
2: didn't I didn't even get any. Oh, what? Uh, Come on, he, where's the Scooby? Is, you is, you have is a that it right in front of you That's it, right in front of you. It's yeah. right there. Guess, oh, the Scooby, the unlabeled Scooby. Yeah, unlabeled, yeah. The label's
5: still in development. Brian Kellett is our designer. We're cool like that He's a genius, and he's putting together a really cool label to honor him. Well,
2: well we
3: feel very glad. Bl- we're very uh, excited and blessed that you brought it uh, to share with us, man. That's great. Thank you.
2: Let's so make a toast to Scooby. Or to Scooby, white cheers! Dog. And uh, love you, Scooby. You got another guest, uh, Mark. Is it Muka? Come on, get this guy on. Yeah. Muka, it's single a cup right, beer, right, Smith right. in Queens,
3: and you brought us a beer too. Get your face in that microphone, man.
2: That's what we love about being at Roberta's. This guy, he walked in, he's trying to sell beer to Roberta's. And we said, well, why don't you come on the show with us?
4: So we can drink all the beer you're trying yeah. to convince people <laughs> to sell this is, We're changing the name. This is the free beer show. <laughs> Because, you know,
2: we can never get enough beer on our own. Yeah,
4: absolutely I made Jimmy not. buy my beer for me,
2: can I? That's good. Thanks I for having me, I think I'm pizza, guys. too, Josh, since you made me feel guilty. Yeah, know, know,
6: Jewish huh? guilt. <laughs> Wait, is it Catholic guilt? That's what I you know my
4: mom. No, my mom was Catholic, and she converted to Judaism. Are you I'm a, kidding? I am a ninja You've got of it going from both sides. I am a ninja of guilt. You are. My wife hates it, but... <laughs> It's like a tool you weld when it's
3: necessary. Don't you, – you use that – you must use those powers for good, man.
4: Mm. Do not go to the dark side. I got here This tonight, is like the the uh... All right, single cut, single cut. <laughs> the sorry. most lively
6: clock.
2: Single cut. So, Mark, just tell us your full name because I've never known how to pronounce well, it. I
6: brought you my business card because it explains it on there. <laughs> Keep in mind,
4: Jimmy could not pronounce the Savor Beer Festival. they kept calling it the Savor Beer Festival last year. <laughs> and we had to explain how to pronounce Savor. You Savor Flavor. What do you do, Jimmy. You Savor.
6: Uh, you, you Mickey Mark. Like <laughs> Mark you Mickey, Mickey
2: Mark. single cup brew. Let's, let's get this serious. Ca- you have a new beer coming out. It's spring 2014.
6: Yeah, we, uh, we did this beer last year, but only for the tap room. And uh, people loved it so much, we thought we'd bring it back strong this year. It's called the Kim Hibiscus Sour. It is uh, what? 4.1% what? sour beer. We did a sour mash, let it sit in the mash tun for 24 hours. And then infuse a little hibiscus and black currant into the beer. So we're getting really excited. We've got Queens Beer Week coming up at the end of the month. And yeah. we're going to release it just for Queens, for Queens Beer Week. And then after that, we're opening it up to a whole, that's great. whole when, NYC. That's When
2: this show airs, we're not sure when. It might be the middle of Queens Beer Week. It might be after. But that's a, that's a cool thing. One thing I want to reflect on is you guys have, have – I think you're a good case study in, in what it takes to open a brewery because you guys opened over a year ago. You dealt with Hurricane Sandy and bureaucratic delays because things like government offices were closed and all this other stuff. But but still, it, t- it didn't take you. It took you a while when you set up your system. You had to really get used to making the beer in those systems and oh, yeah. developing your markets and, and developing your team. And now over a year later, you guys, you guys are just rocking out. But you had to stick through that first year, didn't you?
6: Oh, yeah. Not, uh, not easy. Not for the faint of heart. Uh, a lot of sleepless nights and a lot of 70-, 80-hour weeks in there, learning how to operate the 30-barrel system that we have. Just getting the, the mill to crush our grain right was enough to drive us crazy. I feel like Amen.
3: that's a that's a common story in mm-hmm. the craft industry, man. There's always this sort of long dark night of the soul that that the these people go through. Whatever whatever challenges, whatever hurdles you go through, I mean, you, you, it's the stuff of, of of Hollywood movies. You know, there's always this moment of crisis, of climax before you can get on the straight and narrow. You
4: know? and, and it's often the smallest thing too that really dooms you. I was just <laughs> a story for a. And Bob about Ben's beer scene and when I was talking to the owners of the shoots and so basically they had a hole in the mill and it basically like some dust would leak out and it would infect the beer and oh. so that basically made them ruin batch after batch after batch. So dump out the dump out the beer. And so something so small, like you've built a brewery, you've gotten everything down, you've hired the right folks, but yet a hole the size of a pinprick is basically ruining you.
2: Wow. Yeah. Well I'm I'm gonna jump in on because uh Steve Hindi from Brooklyn Brewery, his book's coming out soon, yeah, or, or may, may have been released by the time this show's on. But one thing he, he, he wrote about was that that's why all the craft guys have to stick together, and that's why we do a show about craft beer, because yep. the big guys, the real big breweries and the big international corporations, they could conceivably buy up every batch of barley and hops and yeast in the world, and all the equipment. And, uh, you know, so it, it's it's yeah. out there. So each that, one of you Jimmy. guys is going through. Yeah. this, And, you know, Matt, you Matt, you, you, you're going through every day and every year you're learning how your system works and the flaws. And, you know, you're coming up short on cash. And that's why we as an industry, as bar owners and, and media and customers around the country, we have to support the craft people. And we don't usually call it out, but I'm calling it out on this show. You have to buy craft. And if, if it's not a local brewery, it's not a regional brewery, it's not, it's not a, a craft brewery, you, you, you're really hurting all of us and all, all the choices that we had And the changes that have happened, just talking about having home brewing in 50 states – and, uh, you know, the laws that in Ohio now, you know, Matt can uh, actually have a tasting room in Ohio. These are laws that, that people want, and they're good for us. It's good for the community. They're good for the community. They're good for jobs. And it's yep. good for beer and for food and everything. So all I'm saying is, you know, listen to these guys. Listen, thanks for listening to our show. And listen to our stories because it's not, it's not like this didn't happen overnight. And, uh you know, th- there's still the big, the big evil empire that, that that could you know buy up all the hops or something, and that that's happened before. So, Josh, wow. why don't you weigh in a little bit on this, the craft industry, before we close off?
4: Yeah, you you're on <laughs> your. I'm on a, a soapbox <laughs> tonight. <laughs> he's going, you're, you're he's on going. your pulpit. It's, it's, like,
2: got, it's something it's about, about guys, Ohio. Maybe. I think about Ulysses Grant and the Civil War, and, <laughs> and then Steve Hindy's
4: book, and you know, it's 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 a soapbox. <laughs> I don't even know. Look, I. I don't even know where you want me to go with this, Jimmy. You flummoxed me right here on this. I'll I'll take it
3: for a minute. You think about it. All right. Let me just say this: I'm a theater actor. I do television, film. I do lots of theater. But the truth is, theater will never go. People say theater is a dying art. It'll never go away because there'll never be a replacement for a live person on stage speaking to a live audience. Just like that's why craft will never go away because there's never going to be a replacement for being able to go to a brewery, meet the brewer, watch him brew his beer. And give him your money to buy beer and keep your money in the community. Mm-hmm. That's never, ever going to go away.
4: Yeah, I think people will go to their TGA Fridays. They'll go to their Chili's, go to their chain restaurants. But, you know, there's always going to be a need for the small, locally-owned restaurant that you want to go to. And craft is like that, too. It's never going to be at a point where 100% of America drinks craft. It's not like we're going to get people to stop eating McDonald's and go to your locally-owned you know, locally farm-raised burger joint. I mean, it's not going to happen. I'm not that naive to think it's going to happen. Well what craft does, I think, the best way possible, it brings people together. It makes – beer makes people come together. It makes yeah. them talkative. And I think what craft beer does as well, it's it's a very – it doesn't really get enough play for this, but I just had a kid. And I can tell you it's a very family-oriented industry that people go there in the tasting rooms with their kids, with their dogs, and they hang out there. And it's just something that's so much more homespun. You're not going to go to like AB and Bev and be like, "Can I bring my dog there?" My daughter. <laughs> well, it's Maybe. like
3: we were talking. It's about family. Yeah, you know? it has a. Fa- it's the yes, family. You made up that word, the, the f-, f-, f word. The F, the f-, the f- word. The family scares me. The family you're born with and the family you choose. I and, think. And it- your, your local is a part of the family that you choose. Guess yeah. who? Guess who we lost in our family?
2: Scooby. Scooby. <laughs> the white dog from Rockville. <laughs> one last thing, Mark from Single Cut. We're drinking your uh, your sour beer. Tell us one more time what the beer is, and it's going to be available. Uh, this spring in New York City?
6: Yeah, this is the Kim Hibiscus Sour, uh, 4.1%. Just uh, your session spring sour beer.
4: So, so is this a lager as well, or is this a... Uh...
6: Uh, you know what? We we used a lager yeast on it. Mm-hmm. Um, we kind of brewed it like a Berliner Weiss, but with mm-hmm. a lager yeast. And we actually brewed a second batch of it, gearing up for the, mm-hmm. the uh, month of March. And we're going to use an ale yeast on it. So we're, just, we're messing around. I don't think you're going to notice the yeast make mm. much of a difference it's really the sourness and the uh the blackcurrant and the hibiscus that you're going to notice Sorry, let, me guys, look, let
2: me look at jack do we have more time what is it we got 1 minute so All right. everybody say their final words and, Jimmy, tell us what's going on with Happy Hour
3: Guys. Happy Hour Guys has been all over the country. We've been in Florida at Cigar City, talking to the founders down there. We've been up in Vermont uh, at the Prohibition Pig, and we're going to be here in the city. We're going to be bringing you some coverage from Queens Beer Week. Hopefully, it'll be going on by the time this episode drops. So lots of good stuff at the thehappyhourguys.com. Check us out.
5: Matt. We've got our first music festival coming up on May 10th. We're really excited. What town is that in? It's in Lancaster, Ohio. Wow. (laughs) You hear that? (laughs) And what
4: what about coming to New York City? Will we see Rock Mill Beer here? Yeah.
5: Yeah, It's looking like uh, it's going to be here by uh, the first week of May. Nice. So so excited. We're going to do a handful of beer dinners and tastings at bottle shops and and try to share the beer with as many people as we can right out of the gate. So can't can't wait. It's going to be great.
2: Do you have a distributor?
5: Oh, uh, we don't. We don't. We're currently uh, going through that process.
2: All right. Yeah. Congratulations, man. It's so great to meet you. Yeah. And Mark, single cut. Here you go, buddy. Just walked in off the street, selling beer at Roberta's. <laughs> <laughs> come on the radio <laughs> show. Got on the radio. Anybody on the radio? Yeah. Yeah. If any, if you <laughs> ever listen, if you're ever at Roberta's on a Tuesday, at five o'clock or four thirty, you can come in the radio show. Or it might, might be, be on the radio. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs>
6: <laughs> single cut uh well we got the tap room open when the sun's shining we got the picnic tables on the sidewalk so come and get a pint of kim queens nice. long island city all right
4: nice. josh uh, no. story i'm writing stories and still selling the book i'm taking care of a baby and drinking beer in the park with my with my daughter and my dog the it's complete imp- beer course. what a, what a great life it, it's actually
2: i think is it is it the most successful beer book Contemporary beer out right now. I'm not gonna. I don't know. Look, <laughs> we're
4: doing. It's doing really well. Like you know, you put something out there in the world, and you're like, "How is this gonna do?" And you don't know. But you know, I actually
3: think it's been optioned for uh, the next Avengers movie. It's <laughs> gonna be part of the next. Well, the Avengers. thing is,
2: if, if if you get Josh Bernstein's The Complete Beer Course, I'll tell you this. Way to go! P- pick a subject, <laughs> open it, and you're gonna learn a lot. Like Trappist. Hey. It's it's you know. Yeah, we try right. to
4: make it as easy reading for people to find out everything you need to know to walk into any bar, like Jimmy Number Forty Three, mm, and find right. out anything on top, had to, like, I that. I love that self- bar. And when you listen to the,
2: the show, too. <laughs> if if you get Josh's book, Complete Beer Course, and you have any questions about Trappist beers tweet us at at beer underscore sessions. And if you don't tweet and you think that we don't need to do that anymore, email us at uh, whatever, Jimmy and pans at Gmail. All right, guys, this has been a great show. It's, it will be airing sometime in spring 2014. We had some great people on the show tonight. Thanks, everybody, for coming on. Uh, most of all, uh, I'd like to thank our sponsors at greatbrewers.com who yes. helped to bring this podcast to you tonight. Thanks to Matthew, Josh, Jimmy, Justin Kennedy, and uh, mark M- mickey and so joining me here on the heritage Woo. radio network i'm jimmy carboni thanks to our producers justin kennedy and maggie Seiden. and our engineer and producer extraordinaire jack insley Woo. all right rock on we'll Woo. see you next time on beer sessions radio all
0: right
1: thanks for listening to this program on heritage radio Network.org.